welcome to the Park Road Talk Back podcast for June 24th, 2020. Today's podcast is a conversation with Amy Jacks Dean, co-pastor at Park Road Baptist Church with Russ Dean. I'm Bruce Holliday, Director of Communications at Park Road, and today we will be asking a few follow-up questions to a sermon that Amy gave this past Sunday. The title of the sermon was Showing Up and Standing By. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So this past uh, Sunday, I believe your sermon was something that you had preached before in uh, 2016. Can you tell us a little bit why you're doing that and and its relevance to um, to today? Yeah, let me give you just a brief background on when I preached it in 2016. It was September 25th, 2016, and it was the Sunday after uh, Keith Lamont Scott was shot and killed by Charlotte CMPD police officer. Um, he was 43 years old, African-American man. He was shot and killed, and it sparked what we now refer to as the Charlotte Uprising. And that week, that whole week after he was shot, people took to the streets of Charlotte and clergy joined them. And I had never really uh, been involved in a protest kind of movement like that. I had been involved in the Women's March and some other things like that, but nothing that held this kind of palpable energy and and rage and anger. And uh, Russ and I went and went every night of the week. It was interesting, the first night that the people took to the streets and clergy, we were asked to come and wear any kind of garb that would show who we are and be a try to be a peaceful presence. The first night, we still had a, a teenager living at home, and I did not go because I was really afraid to go and leave him at home, and I didn't know what would happen. So Russ went, and he came back, and I had been watching the news, and the news was very frightening looking, and he came back and said it was nothing like what the news makes it look like. And he said, I really never felt in danger, and I think you should come. So the next few nights, we both went. Um, I decided to re-preach this sermon as we're going back and looking at sermons, kind of a top 10 out of the second half of the two decades of work we've done here. This one came to mind. One of the things Russ and I talked about, we had decided before the global pandemic and racial tension that we would do this top 10 from 2010 to 2020. Then COVID-19 hit, and then the streets have been full of people protesting, and doing a top 10 felt a little bit out of touch. So we have tried to go back and pick a top 10 that also speaks to the times, which we were probably not surprised to find how many times we've talked about the same thing over and over and over again. But this one stood out just with watching the protests on TV. I have not participated in protests this time except one that was a clergy protest only and we practice safe distancing and wearing masks and so we've not been in the streets this time so I went back to that sermon uh having been in the streets that time four years ago what's it like to go back and reread a sermon I think you had said at one point that you were surprised uh at how you sounded you described yourself as more intense and emotional perhaps than you would have anticipated I was shocked how much I had forgotten. I, I pulled up the manuscript. We manuscript all of our sermons. I go back to my two, 2016 file and pulled it up and started reading, and it was not manuscripted. It was, it was notes and phrases. 
So that forced me to have to go back to the podcast and listen to it uh, so I could transcribe it. It was much more, the, the sentences were not as well put together because I'd not typed them out. I had thought them all through, but I was, I was really surprised at the tone in my voice. Uh, I had remembered that we were actually not in the sanctuary when I preached this sermon because I can picture standing on the stage of the community center preaching it. I can, we were having something done in the sanctuary and we were out of the sanctuary for a couple of months. So I pictured that, but I was so shocked at the sound of my voice. It sounded um, urgent and it, it, I never cried. I wasn't emotional, but I, I sounded I sounded so impassioned. I I could, it was like the what I felt on the street had come into proclamation of the sermon, um, and I had forgotten how strongly I felt. I, I forgot several things that had happened to us that week, people we had met and conversations we had had and decisions that we had made uh, about how to handle that week. I had completely forgotten which is a little frightening, I think, to have something so... I, I think that's why history keeps repeating itself, because we so right. quickly forget. Yeah. And, and you did say during the sermon that, uh, or as a preamble, I think you said you were struck by, on one hand, how little has changed since 2016. It feels like we're right back where we were four years ago in many ways. But at the same time, you also indicated that this time it feels different to you, that there's something that has changed. What, what, what is it that you think has changed? I think two things have, that I've noticed. One, I just think there's no doubt this time feels different. I mean, look at what is happening, what things have changed. Um, people's awareness is just at an all-time high, and there is an awakening that is so long in coming. But you can you can see and hear people waking up, and then you see it happening with NASCAR and NFL and Aunt Jemima, and, and there's no question this is different. Um, it's not there. It's not arrived. It's not different enough. We're on a journey. But um, I even got a text from uh, someone in our church following it who uh, is a, a multiracial family. And, and this person texted me and thanked me for the sermon again and said, so much has not changed, and yet this does feel different. And I was heartened to hear someone in the midst of it say it feels different to them. It's one thing to feel different to me. I'm white. I just see see different things happening. A second thing is, if there is a gift to the pandemic and the isolation and the cancellation of plans and people working differently and more in tune and having a different kind of time on their hands, people are busier than ever, but it's different time. And I think this time of being pulled away from everything that is normal is allowing space for this awakening to happen. And every word you choose is the wrong word. I'm scared of the word awakening because mercy. How can we be this long and still not be awake to what is, has happened and is happening to African-Americans all over our country? But 
I, I do think there is something to the pandemic that is allowing for this to happen. You talked also about the fact that, um, I think you used the phrase, I have no words, which struck you as un, uh, unusual, I suppose, because your line of work, uh, words are kind of your stock and trade, sermons, eulogies, blessings, prayers, creeds, and so forth. But in this circumstance, you were finding yourself without words. And um, it felt to me that you were finding some power in that fact, um, that you didn't always have to have words. Yeah, it is the ultimate irony. I have no words, and here's six pages worth of words for you Um, in 2016 and then again in 2020. I have nothing to say. Here's six pages. Um, But I was very aware that what I was saying was to a very predominantly white South Charlotte congregation, and they need to hear my words. But the no words came in the streets. Um, This isn't my movement. I don't need to be the one speaking to this. I need to be listening and I need to be showing up and I need to be in solidarity with and I need to be standing beside. And that won't necessarily mean that I agree with every single word that is said. Um, I've given the example with the current uh, situation. We signed on to a letter with other clergy about defunding the police and had some pushback from a few people about their discomfort with the word defund. And and my response was, you know, if I'd been in charge, I'd have picked a different word. I'm not in charge of this. I don't get to be in charge of this. So I go with the words of the people that need to be in charge of this. And in those places, I feel like I really don't have much to say. I am here. I'm standing beside you. I'm standing with you. I'm showing up. But my voice does not need to be heard here unless you ask me to say something. And otherwise, I'm listening and I'm learning and I'm chanting your chant to add my voice to your voice. Um, But I, I did have an awareness that then when I'm back kind of, quote, on the job as pastor of Park Road Baptist Church, on the job, I have to have words to this. I have to be able to speak coherently to this and passionately about this to try to help translate and bridge that gap from street to pulpit. Um, And that seems like a pretty important gap that needs to be filled this year. And I think often we think it goes the the other way from pulpit to street. In, In these kind of circumstances, I'm learning how to not have words in the street, observe, have words in the pulpit. It would be different if our congregation were more multiracial and ethnic, but it's not. You mentioned also that uh, you had wondered prior to this time whether or not you would be the kind of person who could actually get out there and march with protesters, whether or not you would, um, I'm not sure if you use the word courage or not, but if you would be able to join in that effort and be part of the the protest. And um, so you you actually did. And um, what was the experience like for you, given that you'd had those doubts prior? Yeah, I think I'm sure I must have used the word, would I have had the courage? I've always worried that I would not have and that I would look back and say, wow, I really missed a moment. And I think... 
in the course of 20 years and speaking out about some things, and then it really culminated in 2016, I think I kind of proved to myself maybe I would have. I always, I've always worried I would have been late, late to the party. And, and oh, my gosh, to people that are so far ahead of me, I am late to the party. Um, <laughs> but, but I'm there now. And even though we are not in the streets this time because of the pandemic, um, kind of finding other lanes to get in to make sure I'm pressing forward on that. But it felt good to know that I do have courage. It does make one stop and take notice. If you, if you don't want to look back with regret, then make sure you're doing what you need to be doing now. And it makes you pause and wonder, hmm, I wonder what else I'm supposed to be speaking up about. I don't want to be caught in 25 years saying I missed it. I I was not paying attention. Um, And I think you talked about your perception of the protests from watching on television versus your perception of actually being there. There were two completely different experiences. (laughs) uh, I thought it was interesting when you shared that. Well, the media, of course, is going to pick the most sellable things to report. And, you know, when people are looting or busting out windows or spray painting or whatever, that's that's what sells. You know, the, the moments that I was a part of was resounding We Shall Overcome being sung. And the and, and I've seen footage of of this some this time you know people dancing in the streets and it's this odd combination of anger and rage and and jubilee and and a sense of reunion I kept saying in the sermon if it wasn't so awful it would just be so wonderful and I think we get really caught up in the violence which everyone will Reject and say there's no place for violence in this kind of movement. But every movement has its own violence. But the vast majority of protesters are there. They're angry, and they're finding a place for their voice to be heard, and they take to the streets. And it really is a beautiful thing about being American. And you, you mentioned that uh, anger, I thought this is a very interesting phrase, that anger needs a place to rest, and now it is resting in the streets of Charlotte, referring to 2016. Yeah. Uh, tell, tell, talk a little bit about how anger needs a place. Um, and by rest, I, I think I noted both times, I'm not talking about Sunday afternoon nap, which is one of the <laughs> That's greatest gifts it's not a place to go take it easy rest but you have to have a place for this kind of deep well it's it's anger it's injustice it's rage it's if you look back to the psalmists you know they just shake a fist at God and let God have it and there is, I don't know why we think we have to subdue our anger and, and to equate that kind of anger with violence is not fair. There are plenty of angry people who get things done and never resort to violence. So if we can kind of leave that small minority of people that are going to act out in violence, which 
everyone would say is not the right way to handle it. Well, what do you do with your anger? You see, Jesus, you know, we always turn to him in the story of when he goes into the temple and turns over the tables of the money changers. I really think he was angry. I don't think he just flipped a table and moved on. We have to have a place to put that. And in in a system like the United States of America, we have the right to speak truth to power and to gather in groups to say it together and stand on the side of what is right and good and just and to let multiple voices amplify and and let it grow and grow and grow. And the streets are for that and the police are there to allow that peaceful presence to be safe, to speak their truth. Where Where else are they supposed to go? So it just seems like the beauty of America to me to allow it to happen in our streets. Um, and and so it needs a place to rest, not take a nap. It needs a place to go. And the right. streets seem like a great place for that for me. How do you feel as a member of the clergy being part of the protest? Do you feel like that's a natural extension of your faith and of Christianity to be in the street? Or is that something that you are compelled to, to do? Um, that's a good question. I feel like, yeah, I feel like I have to do it because um, it's not, I, I said this in the sermon, protest is not my voice. I just, I can't imagine walking up and saying to anybody, I demand fill in the blank. It's just, I don't think I've ever demanded anything in my life. I can't, it's just not a part of being raised as a good Southern genteel woman. (laughs) It's just not in my makeup to say I demand something. I mean, if you, it just seems to me that the message of the gospel is good news for all. And when people are living in places where there is just not a lot of good news and where they are oppressed and tired and where injustice rules the day. And I preached a sermon a long time ago and said, it is so aggravating to follow Jesus. And it really is. And I think Jesus gets a rap sometimes of do all the right things, follow the way of Jesus, and you'll be happy. No, I think if we've do all the right things and follow the way of Jesus, you're going to be frustrated and aggravated and worn slap out. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a real growth campaign. You know, join Park Road Baptist Church. We'll wear you out. (laughs) (laughs) But it is kind of the way of Jesus. I mean. It's the truth. It is. In a way, yeah. What do you say to people who who pigeonhole you after the uh, buttonhole you after the uh, sermon, or send you an email and say, uh, "I really don't think it's your place to be involved in politics. That you should stick to the to the biblical teachings and and stay out of politics." Do, how how do you respond to that? Because it, it sounds to me, as listening to you, you there is certainly in terms of seeking social justice uh, that is often found or maybe only found through political change of some sort, the process. And, and um, so how, how do you answer those, those people who question uh, your motives for what you're doing? Well, I mean, 
it it is all politics. Um, <clears throat> I think people confuse that with partisan. Um, you know, I try to be very careful to not speak Democrat, Independent, Republican, Libertarian, pros or cons. It is all politics. I mean, Jesus was killed because of politics. And it was the Roman Empire that killed him, couldn't take his message, and was so threatened by it that he died. That was politics. It wasn't Republican. It wasn't Democrat. But it was it was all political. Everything he was saying about the poor and the outcast and the lame and the sick and the, I mean, so anytime you speak about health care or education or uh, incarceration or, I mean, name the topic. They all have political overtones. It's exactly the same as when Jesus was preaching. All of his messages are political because they really stand against and opposed to so often what the hierarchy of a system wants is not all does not always have the best interest of the poor and the the outcast and I don't think there's any question that was Jesus audience and Jesus message mm-hmm. um, so everything has to be political I think we've gotten to a place today where people do not seem to make that distinction uh, between politics and partisan so the title of this sermon was Showing Up and Standing By. Um, here we are in 2020. We're in the midst of pandemic. Uh, most of us trying to practice social distancing still. Uh, what, what can we do during this very uh, important time to show, to show up and to stand by uh, if we are not comfortable being out in the streets and marching and what other sorts of things might people consider? Yeah, I spent the first couple of weeks of the protest pretty uh, enthralled with my own um, struggle about that. I mean, even uh, you'll vividly remember the staff meeting where I cried through the first 20 minutes of it or so. I was just so torn between what was the right thing to do. I just felt that both things were so important that I needed to stay socially distanced and that I needed to be out there and and they just don't merge for me. And somewhere along the way, I became confident and comfortable with the decision that I had made to not be out in the streets. And so what I started doing then was uh, listening and being in dialogue with and uh, reading and trying to offer options for the church to be in dialogue, um, in discussion, learning as much as we can. We've been given this little gift of time, and it seems like it's going on forever and a day. But this will pass, and we will get back to our normal lives. So we better use this time wisely to inform ourselves so that when we can get back out there and doing more, that we will be better equipped with the right language, with the right ideas to actually do something that would make a difference. Um, we've signed on to letters and we've, I just, I saw a, a meme that said, you know, as long as we're all heading, heading toward justice, it doesn't matter what lane you're in, just everybody put your foot on the gas. So for now, I just can't be in the lane of pl- protest. So I'm putting my foot on the gas in some other lanes that are heading toward justice um, 
and and we'll look forward to one day. There'll be something else to protest. I'll get to be back out there <laughs> adding my voice and my marching to that at another time. But I am cautious, though. I, I read another, probably a tweet, I don't know. Uh, I read something that said, when black people get angry, white people start book clubs. And and that is an ouch, and, and I don't want that to be this. But right now, we need to use this gift of time and become more educated than we've ever been before and see if that will move us towards something as the pandemic hopefully ends soon. <laughs> yes. Well, the sermon certainly was extremely timely, and I think the the points that you made and the topics you covered are a tremendous help to help us put it into perspective and, and to understand uh, a positive way forward. So thank you for that. I hope so. Well, Amy, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate you uh, sitting down with us and, and sharing some of the insights into uh, the, the backstory of, of a sermon. Thanks. It's good to think through it more deeply than just one thing you put out there. It's good to think through why you said some of the things you said. Exactly. And of course, thank you to our listeners. We invite you to share this podcast with your friends and family. Uh, They can always find it on the Park Road website under resources, sermons, and podcasts. Or you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. So on behalf of everyone at Park Road Baptist Church, thank you for listening today. Grace and peace to you.